I V M. Okay, welcome to Cyrus Rewinds with me, Cyrus Brocha. At least that's what it says on the Aadhaar card as of now. I'm currently time traveling and taking you back into the past to revisit some of the entertaining podcasts we've done over the years, folks. These are going to be better than cricket highlights, so just trust me. Ready? Here we go. Kalki Kochlin, who joins us right now, she's got a brand. Well, I think it's the first book. I'll find out lots more. Hi, Kalki, looking younger and younger, as usual. Oh, thanks, word. Cyrus. It's so unfair how God, uh, you say, you know, there's a male world and all that. But I got to tell you, the way I see it, women just keep looking gorgeous as they get older. And men look, well, you know, the, our best years are behind us from the age of 11 or something. It's really unfair. It's so sad. <laughs> yeah. So I've been, what are you I, saying, Cyrus? It's true. It's true. I, I, I wallow in self-pity. You can say nice things and pull me out of it, but don't bother. Because I'll just uh, go <laughs> on with that. Uh, speaking of... It's not self-pity, but it's very candid. I tried to read as much as I could because I found the book one hour, 50 minutes ago. Okay. Ah. As usual, nobody tells me when the book arrived. <laughs> but then luckily, we found it. And um, it is a quick read. So I managed to do quite a bit. So I hope I can ask you interesting questions as well. But first, let's just start at the beginning. It's Kal- it's Kalki Kochilin, right? The pronunciation. It's actually Kekla. But no one says it like that. <laughs> okay. A for Apple, Kalki B for Kekla. Ball. Kekla, because uh, it's a French name and people in France just don't pronounce the last like few letters of the so lazy, the word French. most of the time. Who's doing that? <laughs> <laughs> I don't know, yeah. Let's just think of it like a perfume just hanging in the air. Kekla. You see, you didn't even yeah, try. Like, like, with, with like the chocolate Kekla, Kekla mere liye. Huh, I'm just thinking you didn't give it a chance. You must have on your first audition or whatever. You said, okay, it's coach late, whatever. How sad. I yeah, would yeah, never yeah. call you that. I'm going to practice Kekla. Everybody <laughs> listening, it's Kekla, spread the gospel. It's actually Kekla. Let's go back to the original name. It's Kalki Kekla, two Ks. One more K and you're a white supremacist. <laughs> <laughs> so let's start it right at the top. Everybody knows you uh, as a as an actress and you've done all kinds of wonderful work so I won't get too much into that and hopefully I'll call you back one day uh, to talk about that because there's so much to talk about here but is there anything you want to talk about that's happening right now because you're in Tel Aviv as we speak oh yeah Tel Aviv watch out yeah 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 it's not uh, it's it's uh, we're gonna duck um, it's it's actually my partner's from here he's Israeli so right. yeah we're, we're here for some time but uh, I, I uh, just finished shooting a film called Goldfish in London directed by Pushan Kriplani uh, with Deepthi Naval and me so Jane that's Kriplani's that film. Yeah. Yes. Yes, yes 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 exactly excellent <laughs> Rewinding a bit there because you just mentioned my partner. Throughout the book, you call him my partner. And then towards the end, and keep in mind, I've gone at super speed, so I may have missed out things here and there. Uh, there's a chapter from his perspective. And I finally found out his name is, is it G-U-I Guy or is it Guy as in French? Or what, what guy, Guy. Yeah. It's Guy. Just a nice so guy, yeah. It's, it's almost like this alpha female story. Then I'm, I was like, where's the poor guy? He's only my partner, my partner, my partner. So my yeah. wife about it. I'm quite happy with the fact that this it's such a, such a woman-dominating sort of experience that uh, not yeah. to disrespect him or anybody else, that at the end of the day, you just put everything in perspective. But you did give him a chapter. So there's a sense of egalitarianism at some point and he gets his, his way. Yeah, any, yeah. Any, any, is, is there a point to calling him my partner? Am I right to say all this or is it just... Uh, yeah, yeah, no. There are there are some places where I call him guy, and some places where I call him my partner. 
So it, it get I didn't think too much about it. But the, the reason I asked him to write a chapter is because I spoke to a friend of mine and she was like, you know, guys or, or, or the male, you know, the, the husbands or whoever it is, they, they often there aren't enough books for them about parenting and how to go through this whole thing. It's usually from the woman's perspective. So I thought, yeah, why not give him a little chapter? Give him a little chapter. What's great about this book is also it's from the urban uh, experience as well. I don't want to get class yeah. into it, but it's important. It I is. was surrounded when we when we had our yeah exactly pregnancy thing. All the other fathers were very enthusiastic about the knowledge, taking the Lama classes and these classes and that classes and sprouting information, sending emails. And I, I almost you know being a contrarian personality, I almost wanted to reject everything then mm. and say let let just have the baby on her own and I'll I'll send money from West Indies once I start my career there. Um, <laughs> So I, I, I was thinking that a lot of us um, either overdo it, the males I'm saying, overdo perhaps from almost like an insincere way or over-enthusiastic way, I can't say exactly, mm-hmm. or we, we're just insensitive. It, it, it's, it's very rare that we get it right. I mean, there's lots of points that you made in this book about uh, your reaction to people reacting to you being pregnant. Yeah. You know, by trying to touch your stomach, for example, and things like that. Aunties, uh, yeah, so I also, yeah. Yeah. So the males also fall in that sometimes because empathy levels are not I, correct sometimes. And so, yeah, I think, not gee, a guy. I'm just saying generally. Yeah, I think there's there's both sides. You know, I think we're all part of this uh, system of patriarchy where it's like a woman's job is to be at home, sort sort of like still, even though it's changing. There's still a lot of this invisible work that's done by women, and so there's a lot of assumptions from your, you know. Like my male director uh, at the time that I was pregnant had three children and still had no idea what it means to be in your first trimester. And, oh, you're vomiting. Why are you vomiting? Like it was a new thing. His wife has had three children. Who's this? I am not talking about me. I get, I'm not going to take this. Zindagi. No. Uh, nay, nay, is, nay. Uh, after that, after that. Okay. We won't get into it. Anyway, uh, the, point is, the point is that just there's it's almost like a closed door that you know oh this is just a thing that women have to do and in quiet and secret and why i mean it, people should know the facts and how to help in every in in those stages so so my point being does it help us to read this book ah, uh, yes, yes. the useless moronic men no no because please. i can very well see uh, women really empathizing is written with a very you know almost such an honest feel to it um, yeah, 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 yeah. No, no, no. I think useless moronic men will love it. Um, and I, 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 I you just, don't have to say I, that it implies. Sent, men implies. Yeah. I've already sent it to childless men. I've already ch- sent it to a few of my friends who are childless. Uh, and they're, them. They're, <laughs> listen, they read it in. They said they sat on the loo and read it in one go. So that's that's a good sign. No, mostly. It's, it's an easy read as well. You know, it's really it's almost like you yeah, know how to, the, the illustrations you know, also. Yeah, you know how to hook people with the thing. There's no doubt about that, but I won't get into that. Uh, I'm more interested in what, what you wanted to say. I, I love the beginning, dear reader, that it ends with, uh, and finally be careful, contents may be hot, if you know what I mean. If you don't, I mean, keep it the fuck away from children. <laughs> I think, yeah. I, that, that got me finally. Yeah. So you, let, let me ask you the obvious stupid question that everybody has to ask someone when they write a book. Why did Kalki choose to write this? Is it like a sense of therapy of, for yourself, therapeutic sort of experience? What, what, what is I the part, sort of motivation? Partly, I, I was, I was uh, in my ninth month and I, I made a little poster for myself, a big drawing, which I thought I'll hang up on Sappho's bed, bedroom wall, you know, and it was a poster of what your mother has suffered 
during this time before you were born. And I had all these funny doodles of myself and what I went through. And then I just sort of stayed in the back drawer for some time. And, uh, you know, when we went into this lockdown, which was a month after I gave birth, suddenly I, I knew, I, I, you know, I had, I mean, I was going through a lot. There was so many changes. I was not sleeping, all this. And I was like, okay, I, I need to do something productive with this. Uh, and I had been journaling and writing. So I, you know, I contacted my friend who's an illustrator. I contacted Penguin and um, made this uh, project, like, you know, just started, started. And yeah, kind of kept me sane during the lockdown. Not <laughs> to belittle the whole, yeah, but frankly speaking, that that may be a positive. Because you were forced to, or rather everybody's forced to do, you got the child and that's it. Yes. That's all 24 hours. So no question, oh God, I got to do something with my life, which you mentioned at some point. But um, going back again, is it possible that, um, I, I suppose every pregnancy is different. Mm. In our own case, uh, I, I think the first one was much tougher than the second one. That may be par for the course in most cases. Yeah. But did you feel, because I, I think the morning sickness mentions and all this and some very graphic people who, please get this novel and take a look at it. It's it's very graphic for you to understand what it's like for men to understand what it's like to actually carry something inside you. And uh, from acid reflux downwards, I won't get into it and give it away. Everything is candidly mentioned and uh, you know, opened opened up to. Uh, so, did, did you feel that you know you were dealing with something which was like a huge? I mean, you've shot these big films and you've dealt with all kinds of characters, and they have their own anxieties. And then suddenly, this is like way out of the league. I mean, just something totally different. Did you ever feel that that's beyond your sort of yeah, control? Yeah, it it takes it's all of you, right? It takes your entire body, your entire mental and emotional setup to make it happen. And it's for some time you don't realize it's transient, but for some time your sense of self is completely gone. You you belong to this child, to this slave, this creature that has to like consume every part of you. <laughs> and, you know, it, it returns it with only poops and smiles. <laughs> so it's, it, it is all consuming. And, and you do, I mean, I, I found that you do discover who you really are beyond your accolades, beyond your achievements, what you've done in public. And it makes you question what is society based on and what do we really need out of life? Um, so that was a interesting, fantastic, traumatic journey for me. You know, now just take the point, uh, I hate to make this supposedly funny talk so uh, irritatingly serious, but take the point even further. <laughs> you think if men could experience childbirth, and I don't just mean childbirth, the pre-birth, because a lot of this book, 70%, 60% is the pre-birth, which nobody really gets yeah. into so much. They talk about the actual birth. Uh, you think we would be a more empathetic world? <laughs> Sometimes I wonder maybe that that's what separates us. It's hard to say. I think, yeah, I mean, I would love to say that, you know, that aspect of nurturing, that aspect of caring for life, you know, when it's still at a very nascent stage before it's even born. I mean, you you, you get, you, you start... Putting yourself second. Putting yourself second. So you put yourself second automatically, which men don't do. Because it's inside you. It's like, it can either kill you or, you know, or survive. <laughs> it's, it's kind of an insane thought. Um, so, so I don't know. Maybe there is a biological necessity to to for uh, for women to be more nurturing i don't know but i i also think that you know i mean this is how it is now we are we are what we are but how can we be more empathetic to the other sex kalki i'm not trying to get into battle of sexes and all that as you know yeah. you can see i'm a bit of a eunuch sitting here i hope that's politically okay to say uh bullied by the women in my family but i i, I just think that maybe because we've discussed this so many times during the lockdowns that the five or six best countries all female-led whether it's Angela Merkel or uh, 
Jacinta, I forget her name, the New Zealand uh, mm, babe, yeah, yeah. I call her, <laughs> premier, etc., etc., the Taiwanese lady. You know, so uh, they've all performed really well. And it seems that when there's trouble, like a health issue, like a issue which is very sensitive and needs empathy and identification and that kind of thing, the women, I mean, compared to some of the male leaders whose names I won't mention, you know them better than all of us. And is it possible that, you know, that, that there's a huge difference this is what I think growing up, just trying to remember my own mother, my friend's mothers and all that. The role they play in terms of self-sacrifice, and which like you said, poops and smiles, but it doesn't end there. It's for life. You know, yeah. the, the, the situation will remain, like, you're the second person for the rest of your life because the child is more important no matter what the age is. Yeah. So I'm, I'm just well, thinking whether, whether this is to do with the... Well, I address this a bit later in the book also that I don't think it's all about self-sacrifice. And, and, and I have this very difficult relationship with my mother because she keeps going on about how much she sacrificed for her children and how much she did and her whole life has only been for her kids you know and now look you're not even doing he threw away his PhD that doesn't you're make it untrue. yes I don't think it's untrue it's absolutely true she spent her whole life and then there was this gaping hole once we became individuals and adults of our own and didn't need her and that I think is a very dangerous place and so it's very important for women or for anyone who's a primary caregiver to also spend time for, for themselves, to, to fight for that space for themselves, to create their own um, want for being with themselves. And it was a huge struggle for me, a huge. I was so tempted to just throw it, everything I, I knew or, or, or was so distant now, you know, of, of who and, I was, and, 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 just, and just spend all my time with this beautiful little bundle of life, you know, and, and yet, I knew that, I mean, this process of writing this book was spending time with myself, was taking that, you know, closing the door for some time. Um, and it was possible because of the kind of uh, support I got from my partner and from the people around me. And I think that mostly we don't have, most women don't have the access to that. And that's what I just want. I just want more women to have the access or at least the knowledge that it is possible to have a fairer balance between genders between you know just the way society deals with Towards it. Towards the end you've mentioned sorry you you mentioned a, a lady friend of yours who says it takes four or five support staff in entirety in totality. So I was just thinking again about Indians versus say my sister abroad etc uh, the yeah. lifestyle. We have the village. We, we you know we literally can go and I mean you know you right now the pandemic came in the way but you would have about five people around at any given point. Does that that number make sense? Four or five people necessary to be 24 hours uh, yeah. available. I think of it like nurse who has to look after somebody 24-7 in a hospital. The The shift would be about six hours uh, each. And so over a 24-hour period, you'd have four nurses taking care of one person. Ah. It's the so same. high intensity. It's full-time mm -hmm. service. I mean, it's full-time service. You know, the baby needs full-time service. There isn't a minute you can leave the baby. And high-intensity service, because even them six hours would be acute. Like like drivers yes. of long-distance uh, journey things. Uh, I think in the West, at least, they're very clear they can do only a six- or five-hour shift for long-distance driving, right. not more. Then they have to take rest yeah. for a certain amount of time. Uh, in India, it's yeah. about 27 hours, because as of now, we've not yeah. really... Yeah, I mean, this <laughs> this only sort of uncovers a small part. I think it's a systemic problem, you know, with the, the idea of having rights, the idea of having a certain schedule, even... Now with, with COVID, what's happened is like Sundays and Saturdays have disappeared. Like everyone's like, oh, we can do a meet. Here we are on a Sunday, you know? Yeah. Um, so That's true. That Sunday sanctity yeah. is dead. Nobody's even okay, thinking about it now. Yeah. yeah. We should bring it back. Along with some of the old diseases like cholera and all, I feel they've got like completely sidelined. No one remembers them. <laughs> diarrhea, a big thing in India, gone. Not a word. I could also, spell I diarrhea. Had a flu. I had a flu the other day and I had 
you know, 103 fever and everybody oh. was like, you have COVID, you have COVID. Oh. And I said, I, I got a negative test. I, I don't have COVID, but the flu is pretty bad, guys. It can be pretty yeah. bad. Yeah. There <laughs> are millions of flus as well. Is yeah. that the right uh, grammar? Flus? Uh, influenzas? I don't know. Uh, yeah. But you know, coming back to that uh, there are thing. Mi- with- millions of them in social media also, yeah. Yeah, I know. And kind of being created, the writers writing about new viruses. It's going to be a new storyline. I'm sure you'll be starring a film about a new virus next year <laughs> at some point. I hope it's not true. Hey folks, hope you enjoyed that. Cyrus Rewinds every Wednesday and Thursday. And possibly other days, but for now Wednesday and Thursday. Also, do listen to the full episodes, yaar. You can find me at Cyrus Says on YouTube and I've been told that I'm also available on all the major audio streaming platforms. So stay tuned. Hey, it's time for my dog walk. Ah, uh, Peter. <laughs> <laughs>